Well, today we are continuing on in a series, but let me give you a heads up of where we're going because I always like to do that. Two weeks from today, we'll start a new series for the month of July, uh, actually be the second Sunday of July, but we will be talking about image. So much of our culture is about image control. And so we, you know, use filters and different things because we want just the right shot and whatever. And we live for likes, you know. Well, I thought I'd get more likes than that or I'm not getting enough followers or, or friends on, on different social media platforms and things like that. And God doesn't want us to have our ups and downs because of likes on a photo we post. Or anything like that. He does not want our self-image to be directed by social media. He declares your worth. He has said who you are and who you are meant to be. And so we are going to spend four weeks talking about who are you? Who are you in God and what has he declared over your life? So it'll be a powerful series. Be sure and invite someone during the month of July uh, to be a part of that. Next Sunday for this series on heroes, it's my favorite Sunday. Uh, I'm going to get to preach about Gideon next Sunday. And he is one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible. And so he will be our fifth and final hero. Now I hope... One of my hopes through this series is not just that you would be inspired, although I hope that happens and hope that happens every week, but that you will be also more educated about the Bible, Uh, that by the time we complete next week, that you will know five characters from the book of Judges, and that from this Old Testament writing that you will be informed, that, that when people talk to you about the book of Judges, you'll be like, oh, yeah, we spent a week on that, you know, and I, I learned all this and whatever. And you'll know and be able to apply the principles from these heroes that are mentioned in this book. So once again today, we're going to look at someone that uh, he's not my favorite character in the Bible. And uh, quite honestly, this is a story where I kind of read the Bible and go, really? You ever do that? Don't leave me up here by myself today, all right? You ever read stories and you're like, that happened? You know, what were you thinking, you know? And, and so this is one of those, and you'll see that in a minute if you've never read this portion of scripture. But to kind of set the tone, uh, let me just uh, ask you a question. Have you ever done something and later regretted it? Couple of us, okay. Uh, It's easy today, it's very easy today to, uh, for instance, just make a purchase with click. You know, there are sites where you can go and they say, hey, we already got your, all your information and everything. And you just look around and whatever and just click here and it'll be there at your house in one or two days. And I don't know about you, but there's times where I think we click too soon. Where we are like, mm, I wish I could do that over. And we're going to look at a man today who tried to bargain with God 
and did not realize how much it was going to cost him. And that's, unfortunately, many of our decisions, we don't look far enough down the road to know what it's actually going to cost. How many of you, you've made decisions before, and if you had known up front what the real cost was, you wouldn't have done it, right? You wouldn't have gone there. Wouldn't, wouldn't have gone there, wouldn't have called him back, wouldn't have done whatever it was. And, and so I want to show you today a man who learned this very hard lesson that you really don't want to get into negotiating with God. And he clicked when he should have been more careful and as a result paid a very high price uh, because of his quick and rash decision. As we turn to the book of Judges once again, and if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and get it open. The Judges chapter 11 will be there in a few moments, but let me just say that the last two weeks, the Latels knocked it out of the park in sharing with us, so give it up to these guys, because it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. So today, we're going to look once again, same kind of scenario Okay, you should be seeing a pattern by now. In Judges chapter 10, pull the verse up for us, please, and let's take a look. It says, again, everybody say again. Again, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Ashtoreths and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of... Just get them all in there, right? Just, just, we'll just, you know, maybe there'll be a little good luck in this one, and um, we'll just throw this group and that religion and that belief and whatever. We'll just throw it all in the bucket, you know. And so, because, everybody say because. Because, because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, here's what happened. He became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years, they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan and Gilead, the land of the Amorites. Some people have to learn the hard way. I hope you're not one of those people. Or if you are, that it'll be I was. Okay, that God today will help us to understand because we've seen this cycle that happens with these people that there is this defeat that happens uh, after they've had disobedience and then they get in despair and cry out to God, oh God, we're sorry. And God sends a deliverer. And then it's rinse, repeat. You know, it's, it's recycling the same thing again. And now it's been 18 years that they're under the thumb of their enemy. How many, you, you think, how long do you have to have your head beat in before you're going to realize the truth? You know, how many years do you have to go? Don't you see that there's a better way? And, and yet we see that these people for 18 years, and then finally they cry out and God sends a hero. So let's meet this hero that maybe you've never read 
about before in verse 1 of chapter 11. Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. How many can already smell trouble? Right? God raises up Jephthah because even though his background doesn't look like he has a whole lot of promise, God sees things you don't see. And God calls things that you don't think are there because God is a God who calls things as though they were, though they aren't. And, he see, and we'll see this next week with Gideon because Gideon was one of these guys who thought, I can't be used, there's no way. And yet God says, oh yes, I'm choosing you. How many, that's good news for you, right? That's good news for you. Because God raises up this guy in spite of his background. Verse 2, let's read on. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You're not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said. Because you are the son of another woman. You're illegitimate. You don't deserve what we deserve. And so they drove Jephthah away. His brothers kicked him out. And, and how many say jacked up family, you know, and maybe you don't have that. Maybe your family's just poster card perfect. And so you're just going to have a hard time relating today, all right, to what we're talking about. But for the rest of us, that have some issues and have some background and don't come from a perfect family, what does this guy do? Well, he settles in the hills uh, surrounded by adventurers. Look at the next verse. Here's what it says. So Jephthah fled from his brother, settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. In other words, just picture uh, Robin Hood and his merry men. You know, I mean, he, that's all he's got. So he's been rejected. He's the has-been person, you know, kind of thing. And so all he does is he just gathers people like him because you will attract whatever you send out, right? And so all these guys come around him, but when they get in trouble, who do they call? Jephthah. They're like, hey, Jephthah, you know, good guy, best friend. Could you come and deliver us? Could you come and do this? Now, Jephthah, you need to know this about him. He is a negotiator. Okay, he is a bargain hunter. He is a person that doesn't believe the price that's marked is the price you pay. He is a person who says, you know, oh, now you need me. You know, I, I thought you kicked me out. I, I thought you didn't want anything to do with me. And now you want me to come? Oh, please. I tell you what, if you'll come, we'll make you ruler over us. Oh. Okay, so let me get this straight. If I'll come and go to war with you, and lead the troops, then I can be ruler. That's it. All right, 
I'll take the offer. And so he becomes ruler over them. Now, the next time he negotiates, it's with the Ammonites. Because they have sent a message and they are coming toward Israel for war. And so he sends a message back to the Amorites and says, hey, what, what, what are you doing? Why are you messing with God's people? I saw a t-shirt recently that I'd like to get and uh, here's what it looks like. Why y'all trying to test the Jesus in me? Find out how much Jesus I have, you know. Why are you doing that? And, and so that's kind of what he does. He, he's like, why are you coming? Why, why, why do you want to go to war with us? Well, what, what's, the, what's the deal? And, and the king of the Ammonites, he says, well, because you're living on our land. To which Jephthah says, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. We did not take this land from the Ammonites. We took it from the Amorites. They were living here when we got here. And it wasn't like we took it. Our God gave it to us. We shouldn't have been able to inherit this land, but our God provided so that we were able to take this land. And we've been living here for 300 years. Have you ever heard of the statute of limitations? You know? I mean, good night. We've been here 300 years. Now you're going to come and say we're on your land. So, you know, really, uh, we, we don't really have a beef. And if you do have one, you should go talk to the people who were here before us. To which the Amorite king or the Ammonite king uh, will hear nothing of it. He won't negotiate. And so he begins to come closer and closer into battle. And the battle lines are drawn for war. Now the third negotiation that Jephthah does is at the end of the war. And where we find this is there's a tribe of Israel that's mad. The Ephraimites from Ephraim, they're ticked off. And they're ticked off because they say, hey, we missed the fight. Why didn't you call us? We'd have got in there and, and we would have fought. And Jephthah's like, uh, we won anyway. Why are you all upset? They said, because we should have been called. We should, we should have been in on it. And he said, listen, we called everybody. Whoever wanted to come and fight with us could fight, and I don't know, you guys didn't show up. But they won't bargain. They won't listen to it. And so the, the people of God are fighting the people of God. The Ephraimites fight against the Israelites, and, and Jephthah, once again, wins that battle. So after that battle, the, these people from Ephraim have scattered. Many of them, when they saw they weren't going to win, they just <laughs> scattered around. And so Jephthah knows, because he's pretty shrewd, he knows they're going to come home. They're not going to leave their house. They're going to try to sneak back in. And so he puts some people 
on the path. And we see this in, in uh, Judges chapter 12, verse 5 and 6, I think it is. The Gileadites uh, captured the fords of Jordan leading to Ephraim. And whenever a survivor of Ephraim said, let me cross over, the men of Gilead would ask him, are you an Ephraimite? If he replied, no, they said, all right, say Shibboleth. And if he said Sibboleth, because he could not pronounce the word correctly, they seized him and killed him at the fords of Jordan. 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. So here's what it is. They put these guys at the road, and when people would come, they'd say, what are you doing here? And they'd say, oh, I was just on vacation. (laughs) And they'd say, oh, okay. Well, say Shibboleth. And they would say, Sibboleth. And they'd say, (laughs) because they couldn't say the H. They they wouldn't put that in there. Now, I got a view of this when we were in Peru last week because two times we've been to Peru, both times Stoney, one of our young men in the church, and I think we've got a picture of him working on the site. Uh, He went with us, there's Stoney, and and hauling some stuff. And, And so... When Stoney would answer, como se dice, when, when they, or como te amo, when they'd ask what your name is, he'd say, Stoney. And they'd say, Stoney. No, Stoney. Stoney. <laughs> because they said, our missionary told us, they're not used to saying ST like that at the beginning of a word. And so what they're used to is like it starts with a vowel, starts with E. It'd be like Estoni, or it'd be like, you know, uh, Esteban, or something like that. Uh, so they, they were used to that. And, and so they would, so we've started calling him Estoni, you know? <laughs> eh, Estoni, <laughs> you know? And, and so it's the same kind of thing. These people, they weren't used to saying S-H like that. And so when they would ask them, hey, say shibboleth, they say, shibboleth. Like, You're done. And so what we see is that Jephthah is pretty shrewd. He's pretty clever when it comes to making things happen and making a deal, or at least trying to make a deal and negotiating, but he is going to learn a very hard lesson, and I hope you can learn this lesson, that you can negotiate with people, but you should never negotiate with God. You should never try to negotiate with God. In verse 29 Chapter 11, here's what it says about him. The Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He's clothed with the Holy Spirit. He crossed the Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against him. So the Spirit of God is on this guy. Look at the next verse. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return and triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Oh, he is going to regret this, and he is doing so well. 
up to this point? Have you ever known people that you're like, hey, what are you doing that for? You're doing so well. You know, you, you've got the Holy Spirit on you. Say, I want to talk to some people this morning that you've got the Holy Spirit on you. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you as a believer in Jesus. How much more do you need? Right? I mean, just think about this. What kind of power does it take to raise someone from the dead that's been dead for three days? Hello? So, so if that power dwells in you, what are you doing? What are you doing clicking so quick? Well, why, why are you making the purchase before you think of the cost? Do you ever make a deal or try to make a deal with God? You know, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. Oh, God. If you let me pass this test that I didn't study for, oh, I'll serve you all of my life. You know, if I can get this promotion, God, that I don't really deserve, there are five people more deserving than I am, but hey, God, if you'll give me this promotion, if you'll help make this happen, oh, I'll go to church every Sunday. God, if you'll help her to say yes when I pop the question, then I'll serve you. I'll do this. You know, if you'll, if you'll land this plane, God, that's shaken up here in the heavens, you know, if you just get us down on the ground, oh, I'll go to Africa, you know, I'll, whatever. God, if you'll... If you'll let that, pop, that cop pass by that's behind me right now. See, some of us are good at promises for the future rather than obedience for today. Hello? Yeah, that was better than your acting, so. Just saying. Why such a problem? I mean, Jephthah wins. I, I mean, he wins the war. But how many know you can win in the short run and lose in the long run? And what happens when you make vows? Maybe you want to write these down. Let me give you three things. Vows bargain for more than what God has already given. You know, what he has already given is enough, folks. I mean, your Savior was beaten, abused, bled, and died for you on a cross and, and did all of that whether or not you recognize it. Whether or not you call him Lord, whether or not you come to him today, tomorrow, whatever, or never come to him, you can choose to do whatever with it, but he gave himself for you. What more could he do? And, and so imagine this. You, you have God's spirit. You have God's grace. What more do you do? Jephthah, you've already got the spirit on you. Jephthah, you've already been called by God. 
Jephthah, you, you, you already have God's pleasure on your life. What are you doing trying to strike a deal with God? And yet we often do the same, some of us. And here's another thing, is vows express a faithless devotion. It shows our lack of faith. When you say, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. It sounds like we're obligating ourselves to God. But what we're really doing is trying to obligate God to us. What we're doing is saying, God, if you'll do what I want you to do, because I don't know what you want, but what I want is this. And if you'll make my will be done on this earth, then... I'll serve you. Are you kidding me? We serve a God who's already done way more for us than you or I will ever deserve in our lifetime. Why try to strike a deal with God and get God to do our will? It shows a lack of faith. And here's the next thing you write down is vows reveal our rashness. They reveal just how dumb we can be at times, quite honestly. I mean, how crazy we get. And Jephthah returns home from battle. And let's pick it up in verse 34. Here's what happens. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, now he thinks, yeah, hey, whenever I come out, come home, the dog comes out. You know, sheep, goats, whatever. Ah, you know, that's no big deal. I'll offer that to God. If God will let me have victory, I'll, I'll give him a spare animal. But that's not what happens. Who should come out to meet him but his daughter dancing to the sound of timbrels? She was the only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, here's what he did. He tore his clothes and cried, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down and I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. When you say things to God, you need to mean what you say. Ecclesiastes has a scripture that says this. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Now, some of you may want to memorize verse 5. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let, here's another verse you might want to memorize. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Hello? Don't let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger. Oh, I made a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? I mean, this is crazy. He, he is caught, and, and now he, he's stuck in this situation that he has put himself into. God was not asking him to do any of this. 
But he's put himself there. And here's the thing, is she's even willing to be offered. You know, it makes me think of Abraham and Isaac, if you've ever heard that story, where it seems like Isaac's willing to give of himself, even though that's not what God was really asking. And here, uh, God didn't ask for this. And this man now is stuck. And, and here's what's interesting is she starts to weep. She says, just give me some days to just go around weeping and get this out and, and just have sorrow. And she does this. And, and then the, the point in time comes. And, and I don't know. Uh, scripture doesn't really give us for sure whether or not the sacrifice was just of her life because maybe what it is is she will now live the rest of her life unmarried, no children, and all alone. And what makes me think that perhaps this is the case is there are very few people in the Bible, if you've ever read the Bible through, that are mentioned in both sides. That is the Old and the New Testament. Out of that short, very short list, this man's name is mentioned again in Hebrews chapter 11. When it talks about heroes of faith. I don't know that he would be mentioned if he actually did offer his daughter as a sacrifice up to God. But maybe the sacrifice was a living sacrifice to God. But either way, he sees the rashness of his decision. And here's the other thing. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 27, and I know you probably read Leviticus all the time, just kind of love that, love that book. Those who have read Leviticus are the ones who are laughing right now, okay? Uh, but Leviticus 27 actually talks about how to get out of a vow, how you can uh, buy yourself out of a vow that you'd met. But he doesn't do that. And instead, it's kind of like people who think two wrongs will make a right. You ever been around somebody like that? It's like, oh, 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 oh. you already made this dumb decision. Now why are you getting dumber, you know? Why are you adding dumb on dumb? That, 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 that doesn't make sense. And, and yet many of us will do the same kind of thing, you know? I, I don't know if you've ever, you know, the first wrong is like failing the test. And then you come home and say, oh, that teacher is so hard. You know, I mean, oh, man. And the room was hot, okay? Just humid. And I couldn't focus, and my pencil broke, and you know, it was, uh, people were whispering, and uh, and you're like, whoa, 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 just admit you weren't prepared. Just do us all a favor. Be honest. You know, or you fudge the numbers at work, and and you make your sales look better than they actually were, and then it's found out, and then you go back and try to cover it up. What what was that? And people are like, hey, just, just own it. You know, or you have sex with your boyfriend and you get pregnant and then you think, well, uh, we'll abort the baby and, and think that, you know, that, that'll fix it. Or I'll marry someone I don't love 
Two wrongs don't make a right. But here's the good news. If you've ever done wrong, if you've ever had a bad day, maybe a bad decade, all right, in your life of dumb and dumber and sin and sinner and mistake and mistaker, and you've had some things that you would be horrified if half the people in this place even knew a fraction of what's in your past, and you've done stuff like that, the good news is there's someone, I know someone, who can reach down into all of the mistakes, the mess, the muck, the mire of all of your past that you've done in all of your life. Come on, somebody who can and reach down into all that mess and lift you out and do something great in your life in spite of it. And his name is Jesus. You see, Christians don't always get it right. But here's the thing, because if you're not a Christian and you're like, you know, hey, you know, I thought Christians always get it right. They don't, okay? But here's the thing about Christians that should be right, that should be true, is when we don't get it right, we take it to God to make it right. Right? That's what David did. God said, you know, David, he's a man after my own heart. And this is a guy who we would say, get rid of him. If he was our president, we'd impeach him. And so God says, no, he's a man after my own heart. Now, how do you earn that? Because every time he got into sin, he turned to God. And see, that's the difference in Christians and non-Christians. When Christians mess up, we know who to go to. We know who can redeem, who can pay back, who can help us to get back on track again in our lives because God can prevail in your failures. And that is good news. Good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. And even people who have messed up that you allowed to get written up about, uh, they're in there so that we can read it even over 2,000 years later and say, oh my gosh, there's hope for me. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I, I didn't know God could use somebody like me, but if God can use somebody who's messed up, who, who's made mistakes, and, and who wants to get it right, and I want to get on track with God. Now, I want God to use me. And if God can use a stick, if he can use people that, that don't have the right pedigree, the right background, if he can use people in spite of themselves, then I want God to use my life. I want him to use me every day. And I want him to use me even more in the days to come than he ever has. If that's your prayer, would you just shoot your hand in the air right now and say, yeah, I want all of that in my life. Yeah, hands all over this room. Father in heaven, I thank you for an army of people that you can use, that, that we don't have to have it right because you're the one who makes it right. You're the right one, and you're the righteous one. And so God, today, we just surrender all of what we are to you, and you can even use the divorce 
You can use the, the abortion. You can use the, the breakup, the nastiness, and all the stuff that flung out of our mouths and all the stuff. You can use that and, and redeem it and help us to have compassion for other people, to lift them up. And so, God, today I pray that you'll just use this army of people that are surrendering everything to you in this moment. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I'm like one of those people that's had a bad decade. Or maybe it's only been a bad week, but it felt like a decade. And maybe today... Uh, you need to come to the only one who can take away the past and take away all the pain and, and all, the, all the bad decisions and turn it around. Not necessarily that there won't be consequences to bad decisions and whatever, but, but God can give you purpose for your life and, and lead you into all that he has for you. And if you've never surrendered all to God, or maybe you did once in, uh, upon a time, but, but somehow you got off track but today you say, God, I want to get on track with you. I want you. I need you in my life. Please forgive me of my past and give me a new start. If you'd like that here today, that new start, I want to pray for you right here, right now. Just shoot your hand up and say, yes, it's me this morning. Yes, I see the hand. I see that hand. I see that hand back there. God bless you over on this side. God bless you. Several hands down here in the front, back toward the back, up there toward the top, sir. God bless you. Over here, ma'am, God bless you. All right, several hands have been raised around the room, so let's just pray this prayer. Just everybody pray it to encourage those who raise their hands. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross to pay for my sin. I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So please wash away my past. Give me a new beginning. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me a fresh start today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. Give him